Welcome to the Bird's Eye View Podcast. I'm Jeff McLean here along with Paul Domowich and EJ Smith. What's up, guys? How's it hey, going? How's it going? This is the Eagles podcast from the Philadelphia Inquirer Beat Reporters. And we took a week off last week. We had uh, a couple of vacations or maybe one vacation. But uh, we're back and uh, a lot to talk about, obviously. Uh, coming off the bye, the Eagles had an opportunity here to, to create a little bit of uh, – more of a cushion in between them and the other teams in the NFC East. They still lead the division, but they lost a pretty but winnable game against the New York Giants team that seems to be playing wet, uh, better the last month or so. But again, just really disheartening performance by the Eagles for them and their fans. And, and they fell to the Giants 27-17. They're now 3-5-1, and one, and they have a real tough stretch coming up here against five teams that currently have winning records Let's look back at the game, guys, uh, and I think I want to start with actually the defense and how they performed on those first two drives. And, and Dama, you asked Jim Schwartz about this very topic today, and was his answer suffice? Or, you know, what do you make of why that the defense wasn't able to kind of know what was happening? You know, I mean, he – Clearly, uh, you know, talking about the touchdown run by the quarterback was 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 explicit and under, uh, but he 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 minimized the effect of Gallman and Alfred Morris on those two touchdown drives and and I thought it was pretty big. I mean, they they quickly shut them down the rest of the game, but uh, you know their effectiveness on those two drives kind of along with a lot of other things that happened, including, you know, the penalties and, and stuff uh, I thought was pretty important. And he kind of brushed over it. It seems like, you know, Jim really prides himself on how they stopped the run. And that's something they've been very good at over, over, you know, his tenure here in Philadelphia. And they've been doing a fine job against running backs again this year. But as we've talked about and Dom, as you've written about, same with you, EJ. These misdirection runs, these quarterback keepers on zone reads, that hasn't really been the case in that regard. And that's they all count, and Jim says that, but I just wonder if if, if they're getting a message down there, especially when you know you hear Ken Fulgil, uh last week, the linebackers coach, say, well, that's just kind of the cost of playing the way we play, which is aggressive. Well, yeah, I think that when you look at what Josh, how Josh Sweat played the Daniel Jones touchdown run, you, you sort of – see how that bears out. You know, I mean, they're, they're, they sold out for, to stop the running back, something that they have talked about being so proud of doing this year, but I mean, nobody had the quarterback in that situation. So I get that the D, the Eagles defensive front is an aggressive one and they, they're not really, you know, they don't want them to do too much reacting to anything. They kind of just want them to, you know, get down, get up field, but um, we're definitely seeing teams take advantage of that this year. And that's, that goes back to be yeah, smart. So having playing, having smart football players, uh, I guess my initial read was that that Sweat was responsible for the quarterback there and him crashing. Now that that isn't always the case. Sometimes it's the linebackers gap there, and it's, it seemed like T.J. Edwards probably wasn't in a great position. He got uh, blocked out by the receiver. It was a nicely drawn up play. Jim said though the disappointing fact was that it was the same, pretty much the same formation they ran out of when Jones uh, bolted 80 yards uh, in the game, you know, three weeks ago. And, you know, so it should be on sweat to to recognize that. Um, and, you know, that, that kind of goes to the player, but that also goes to coaching. And, you know, 
I don't think I think most most people are focused on the offense game. They only scored 17 points, but the defense hasn't done its job. And and that you know to switch gears here a little bit to the to the pass defense. It wasn't like Daniel Jones lit them up, but he shouldn't be that efficient based right. upon what we've seen. You know, like he he completed what over seventy percent of his passes. I think it was seventy five percent of his passes. Yeah, yeah. It was his it was his best uh, QBR of the season too. Yeah, I mean he made some nice throws. I mean, I, I when we were talking to Schwartz today uh, about. A couple of those late throws, uh, the ones that Nicole Roby, uh, uh, Coleman, and uh, Avante Maddox gave up. Uh, I mean, and it was suggested to him that the coverage was good and the throws were just right there. And, and to his credit, you know, Schwartz said, when you're playing man coverage, uh, you know, covering isn't enough. You've got to finish the play, and neither, neither of those guys did on that play. Uh, you know, I mean, and, and, and we saw Darius Slade. That was probably his poorest game of the season. Uh, yeah. yeah. He, he really struggled with Darius Slayton. Uh, maybe some similarity. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I mean, that, that you know, I mean, that 40-yarder, he gave up uh, one earlier, a 16-yarder to Slayton, I believe, that uh, on a score, excuse me, on a scoring drive that hurt him. So, yeah, that, that's an area cons- when you consider, I mean, the, the pass rush was good. Uh you know, they didn't get to him as much as they wanted to, but uh, they were putting pressure on him, and yet he was still making those throws. I wonder, you know, Maddox <laughs> and when he's been healthy and Nicole Roby Coleman have been, I think, disappointments this year. And these are smaller guys. They made the, they made the choice to go with these, these smaller guys because they, I guess they're better man defenders. They knew they were going to play a little more man defense with Darius Slay and the team, sticky guys that can stick. And I asked Jim this question about, you know, what we saw in this game. We've seen it other times that these guys have been outjumped. And Jim's, well, they were you know, small receivers. I said, well, that, that kind of makes it worse in my in my book. You know, like, yeah. I, 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 I didn't get that defense. And then, meanwhile, you're seeing Sidney Jones and Russell Douglas playing competently, maybe even more than competently with other teams. Now, I think in Sidney's case, a change of scenery probably benefited him. Uh, there's not much pressure playing in a place like Jacksonville, especially after you've been drafted in the second round. Right. But are they, were these the right personal decisions that they made, EJ? I think when you look at Rasul's particularly, I mean, that was a, the type of guy, like you knew his deficiencies, but you also knew that he, you know, had a track record of at least somewhat decent play. You know, he was going to get beat deep every once in a while. He wasn't a starter in quality corner, but I don't see any reason why a guy like that can't be, you know, your backup outside cornerback, especially considering how thin they are at the position. Um, you know, Michael Jaquette did some decent things against the Cowboys, but I mean, like, if that's your the next, you know, the next guy up on the outside, I mean, you're in, you're not in a good spot. So I think I saw that Sidney Jones gave up two touchdowns in addition to having the force fumble in the pick, but I mean, still, he's playing decent football down there. Um, yeah. So I think that it is. It's just it's. I mean, it's it, it's not on the Marquand Manuel that these guys, you know, didn't progress quickly enough in training camp, maybe. But I do think it, it speaks to the coaching um, that these guys went and had success elsewhere. And you could look to last late last year with Sydney. You know, I mean, Howie has, has taken most of the heat for Sydney, uh, but I mean, he finally got healthy late last year, 
and made some nice contributions late in that season, including, I uh, believe, in one of the at least one of the Giants games. And then we they got to the playoffs, and 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 you know Jim had no use for him. Um, yeah. So he clearly, did, I mean, I think coaching has to take uh, a, 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 a significant portion of the blame as well for Sydney's uh, problems here. Right. And, and I don't, you know, and I mentioned this also looking ahead a little bit because they haven't really been exposed. They were a, this, this past game by Daniel Jones, but then you had before that you had some, some poor quarterback play and, you know, Lamar Jackson's a quarterback. But he's not, he's not the type of guy that's going to kill you on the, on the outside. And not since really since Ben Roethlisberger have we seen the Eagles give up a tremendous amount through the air. But, I mean, after this game against the, the Cal, uh, Cleveland Browns, you're looking at Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, maybe Drew Brees, probably not Drew Brees, and Kyler Murray, who's, who's a, a different challenge. But if you get those three quarterbacks, you're talking about three of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. And, you know, that's the games that they've won have been against backup quarterbacks or not, you know, that's what it's been like for the last two years. And whenever they face a really good quarterback, Jim just doesn't, and, and it's not just Jim, it's obviously a lot of the players that they have. They just typically don't have the answer. So uh, I'm looking at those guys, the corner, and I'm just, I'm just wondering if they're going to be able to hold up during that stretch. Well, the, you know, they, one of the problems they've had when they face people like Russell Wilson and Roethlisberger and, and it's, it's why, you know, I don't like Jim's whole philosophical approach about not blitzing is that he counts he, he relies on his pass rush well it, you know every time they've played Wilson over the last several years he just gets the ball out so quickly that no matter how good that pass rush is the ball's gone and if you don't have guys that can that can slow up the corners at the line of scrimmage and 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 delay them getting into their routes you know you're screwed and you you know it's just, it was the same thing with Ben when they played him uh, in the Pittsburgh game. I mean, the pass rush was fine, uh, but it just would, couldn't get there because the ball was out before before anybody got to Ben. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's – I mean, that's how they, they play. Although, you know, a lot of the best quarterbacks, they see the blitz as an opportunity. You know, that's the, – their eyes light up sometimes, the, the best ones, the Aaron Rodgerses of the world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was going to say that, you know, it, it shows that you can't just – build a defense around just you know your front four and ignore other areas you know obviously the front four is the priority and you know if you can jam guys on the outside with talented corners and just hold up in coverage for long enough to help the pass rush then that works out but I think we're seeing this year you know you you can't just have you know high-priced players on your defensive front and then skimp on in the linebacking core and at corner other than you know Darius Slay and just expect the, the, the front four to cure everything. You know, teams right. can scheme around that. Um, and I think right. we're seeing that, you know. Right. You can go, like, weaker at a, a position like linebacker, but you can't go weak. I mean, right. they're just yeah. weak there. And, <laughs> yeah. and like, we, we've seen – you know, they've spent a lot of money in the interior of that line. And uh, have they delivered? Has I mean, uh, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, and Malik Jackson. I mean, I don't think they've played poorly at all, and certainly not Fletcher and Malik. But Hargrave is – I mean, he's okay, right? I mean, is he? Yeah. I mean, th- they kept talking up him as a pass rusher. I just haven't seen it. No, not much. Yeah. Well, I, I will say, <clears throat> I, I think, I think the pressure they've gotten inside with those guys. When you look at their total pressures, uh, as they've helped. I mean, Brandon. Some of Brandon Graham's success this season yeah. belongs to them. Yeah. And same with Barnett. 
so I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna minimize the their impact so much, even if their sack numbers aren't great. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure Fletcher's playing as well as he did. You know, he, since you know two years ago, he, he hit his he peaked, and I don't know if he'll ever play as well as he did in 2018. That's just. But my point is, if you're paying that that those three guys that yeah. amount of money, it's got to be domination, and yeah, it just yeah. it just hasn't been that. Um, and look, they are good. I mean, the, that's the strength of the team. But, you know, there are ways to offset that if you're an offense. Uh, speaking of offense, let's uh, switch over sides here to, wow. I mean, that was just <laughs> bad. And, you know, aside from the Boston Scott run and some of the other runs that they had with Miles Sanders, they're, they're, I just am dumbfounded by coming out of the bye. And, and I think the biggest – it's just it, it, everyone's focused on Doug's play calling, and I think that's fair. But I just couldn't believe how many mistakes were made. Right. I mean, low snaps from Kelsey, uh, pre-snap false starts. Um, yeah. Opeta stepping on Carson's foot, uh, missed blocks from the running backs. Miles Sanders and Boston Scott both missed blitzers. Um, so there's no, it's no surprise that Carson isn't playing well and some of these plays aren't working. Uh, the game plan wasn't good though either, and I don't know where to start. Um, yeah, I mean, we're focused on the mistakes. Where's where do you guys point the the finger there? And that well, this team is still creating, having so many mistakes. I mean, the two things that that, that confound me. Uh, one is why they're, you know, I mean, get Wentz out of the pocket. Yeah. Why is he in the pocket? I mean, you've got a, you know, you got Sua Opeta and Matt Pryor at, at, as your two guards, and 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 Jason was just freaked out by the big guys up front on on Sunday. So I mean, just get him out outside the pocket and at least buy some time. And and the other thing was, you know, they ran the ball really well, and and then they forgot they had a run game. I mean, I didn't understand that. I mean, the fourth quarter, it was just like uh, we got to throw the ball. Uh, you know, I mean, they just. I don't, I, I don't know what, you know, I know this is the lowest run play percentage they've had in the Doug Peterson era. And I know, you know, obviously, obviously there are a lot of reasons for that. They've, they've been playing from behind a lot and, you know, their quarter, but I mean, when your quarterback's struggling as bad as this one, give the ball to your running backs. Yeah. The thing that stood out to me the most when I watched the game over again was just how disorganized they were on offense and especially some of these pass protection plays that they had were just like, like confounding, yeah. um, you know, like just letting guys go in free, you know, like we talked about running backs, not picking up the right blitzer, you know, like there were a couple of plays where it just, you have no, it almost is like they don't know what the play is or maybe somebody just, you know, was completely lost. Um, you know, I, the one that one, uh, you know, we talk about getting wins out of the pocket. One of those, like, it looked like it was supposed to be a rollout. Um, and you know, instead Wentz just does like a five-step drop and, you know, the entire line is, you know, like shading to the left and all of a sudden everybody's on him. Um, you know, it is just, I, it's almost, I think it has to be a coaching issue at that point. You know, it's like, it doesn't look like these guys are on the same page. I think part of his personnel, I mean, you have Sue Opeta and Matt Pryor guard. And and I I think that probably factored into Kelsey's bad snaps he's got to worry about these two guys who can't really play the position at a, at a high level of play which lends the question or begs the question should you have had 
move Peters into right guard and have Jordan Moalata, who has been up and down at left tackle, but is that your better configuration? Doug defended what he went with. And 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 I I kind of tend to side with him a little bit here because I think he's really leaning on Jeff Stoutland and knows what he's talking about. You know, Jeff knows what he's doing. Um, but that being said, you can look at look back in hindsight and be like, okay, well, maybe not having Opeta and both prior in the middle, you know, was going to make this thing yeah. work. And that was certainly an issue at, at, at points, as, as you mentioned, EJ. Um, to get back to the getting Carson out of the pocket, we saw in the one drive that they did a little bit, and one was actually unscripted. He just kind of ha- had a move and, and made his best throw, in fact, from that off-platform. Yeah, uh, the one to Ward. Yeah, and, and that's that's who Carson is. Um, and you have to kind of play to that uh, somewhat. And I wrote about this today. You, you need plays from the pocket. Um, you need to throw from there. But you can't build your offense around that now with the way Carson is so inconsistent from throwing there. I was watching some of the pit plays from the end zone view, and and then sometimes when they would just show the replay, and I felt like a couple of those high passes were because Carson was was trying to throw over outstretched hands, which is a concern because that tells me that he's looking at the line, and his eye level is dipping. And and coaches talk about this a fair amount. They don't talk to us about it a fair amount, but I think internally they do. And I think that's got to be concerned about Carson because he has looked jittery in the pocket and you can certainly understand so since he's been under pressure so much, but you know, a lot of it's fallen on Doug and, and Carson, but I just feel like it's, it's fair to also point the fingers a lot of times. It's just the personnel, what they have in there, you know, let's, let's switch over the wide receiver. I mean, you know, they, they had 21 targets to wide receivers and only 10 catches for 90 something yards. And they, and that was partly because the, Giants played a lot of man coverage. Well, that tells me that these guys aren't getting open separation versus man coverage, which is concerning because you went out and got all these guys that were supposed to be speed demons, and John Hightower got only three snaps, and Jalen Rager, who's still a rookie and he's still learning, I get it, but I want to see a little more out of that guy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's tough with Rager because, you know, he missed so much time, but the, the last two games – you know, maybe it's, you know, just finding his role in the offense. But, I mean, that's not a ton of production, um, especially when he was the guy that, you know, they pointed to they pointed to their first-round pick to justify why they didn't go after DeAndre Hopkins, Stefan Diggs. You know, Justin Jefferson has been incredible this year. And, you know, those all three of those guys are guys who, you know, project as volume receivers who you can target, you know, 10, 15 times a game and, you know, can – really be a number one guy and Rager might be more of like a, a gadget guy with less touches, but more, you know, you scheme a couple plays for him and he's not really, you know, like a number, a true number one. Um, so I don't know. It's just, it seems more and more like they just didn't do enough with the position, you know, if they had added Rager, but then, you know, added somebody else who it could be more of a number one, like maybe like Robbie Anderson or something. Yeah. Damo, I think, I have think, a EJ, conversation. Dom, I think EJ TG up on Jefferson. Go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, their attitude was uh, that Jefferson's a great player, but he can only play the slot. Uh, and I think, Wrong. You know, I was <laughs> I was told Scangarello was the guy that really felt that, and they went with it. And you know, I, I, it's it's Crockett. You know, it's it's not right. It's not true. And I don't care where a guy lines up if he's going to catch the ball like Jefferson does. So that, you know, I mean, but they were so obsessed. You know, I mean, that, how he went into that draft with. You know, the whole we got to get faster 
uh, that 40 time became everything. And, 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 you know, that's not, you know, Jefferson is not as fast as, as uh, Rager. Uh, but, and I think also that they planned on, you know, going through this season, still playing a lot of 12 personnel and that kind of got blown up by injuries and forced these guys to, you know, to, to, to have to do more, uh, but I mean, you know, hey, they got Alshon back this past week. He plays 18 snaps and gets targeted once. And uh, oh, well, that's yeah. just. I mean, I don't, I don't know how if we want to spend time on that because that's just <laughs> yeah. mind-boggling. I just don't get why. I just don't get it. Yeah, yeah he's better than JJ Ar- Arthega Whiteside. We all know that. Yeah, uh, certainly better than Kez Watkins, and you know, but he, I don't know. Like we've talked about this, you know, you have to balance still trying to play for the division, but also developing these guys. And it seems like, you know, this whole part of the main reason for the, the failure of the team this year is because how he's tried to serve both masters, you know, yeah, it's like yeah. rebuild while also trying to win a Super Bowl, And that's just very hard to do in this league, especially when you've made past salary cap mistakes. I mean, like, Look, the big problem at wide receiver is that they gave a horrible contract to Alshon Jeffrey, and then they guaranteed 2020 when they really didn't have to do it. And then they, and then the the trade and sign extend extending the Deshaun Jackson hasn't paid off. So that restricts you in terms of who you could have gotten in free agency or you could have traded for. You would have maybe went for DeAndre Hopkins and Stephon Diggs and given Carson a legitimate number one wide receiver. Um, right. And look, I understand you got to get young talent. You got to look to the future. You, you need to, uh, you need to have cheaper uh, players to pay, you know, on rookie deals. And but uh, again, you look at the Rager, and I'm not, I'm not burying Rager. I, you know, he may end up being a pretty good receiver, but you again made a, a poor decision in, in my book in taking him over Jefferson, just as you did with JJ over. You know, obviously everyone's going to say DK Metcalf. You know. I, you know, I've reported about the reason why they didn't take him because he was a medical red, a medical red flag. But that goes back to some sort of organizational dysfunction. Um, all right, let's go with Carson. I mean, um, you know, no turnovers, but he looked like a robot out there. And you know, he threw the ball away when he when he had to. But then all of a sudden, I just felt like too much of being conservative killed him. Third and third and eleven. He checks down to Greg Ward behind the line of scrimmage. I I got to see the film on that. I haven't seen that yet. I'm sure he didn't have anyone open, but like throw it to a guy in a position downfield where it's either him or nobody, you know, like give your guy a chance in that situation. You need to pick up a first down fourth and 10 Riker's covered. Um, and the, and he's covered by the, the one really good cornerback that they have in, on the field there. Bad decision. Um, he threw down the field twice, both times uh, Fulgham was covered. And the other time was Rager who's double covered. You know, yeah. is, is this the way to play Carson? I mean, like we were all saying Carson's and I just wrote a story about last week that his problems are a lot more because he's been too aggressive. I mean, I, my, uh, it goes back to, if, uh, it, from the start. It's gone back to two things with Carson in my mind, a decision-making. And I don't know why, cause he's a smart kid. Who's, who's, who's been smart with the football for the most part, uh, most of his career. And secondly, his accuracy has just been horrible. I mean, he made some throws. I mean, you mentioned the, the high throws early. I mean, he, he, 
he missed Fulgham uh, once late in the game when for what would have been a first down and kept a drive alive. Uh, you know, a, 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 well, Sanders, Sanders dropped that short one that, uh, but you know, but those pass, but those passes aren't aren't very catchable. You know, like he he doesn't do the easy ones yeah. well, and they're the ones that help you out. Yeah. And now, just real quick, if I may interject too. They're not helping him with easy ones too. Like, where are the screen passes? I understand that they were struggling early years with that, but early in the season with that. But that has to be a part of this offense. That has to be a staple in this offense. You got to get that right. And especially when you're playing a man, a man defense, you know, guys are running with their backs to the quarterback. You got to take advantage of that. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just, he, he... You know, he puts them through. You watch other quarterbacks and then watch him, and it's like watching, um, you know, college and, and pros. Uh, he just does not put the ball where it needs to be enough times, uh, in my yeah. mind. Yeah, this this game sort of felt – reminded me of the season opener against Washington where, you know, you watch all these throws and it's like – it's obvious that there's just timing issues and there's just not a lot of chemistry between him and a lot of the receivers, which – you know, it's, I mean, it's week 10. It's kind of crazy to think that that could still be going on. I think that a big part of it is play calling. I think that, you know, there's just yeah. not a lot of rhythm. I, I still don't think the Eagles offense yeah. has an identity. Yeah. Um, and again, we're in week 10. So I think it all is a contributing factor, but it is, it all comes back yeah. to events, you know, just. And again, you talk to, about the, you know, the lack of chemistry, Jay. I mean, like he was starting to develop some with Hightower. And then the, the last two games, they yeah. just decided Hightower is not ready to play. I mean, he plays ten. He plays ten snaps right. against the Cowboys. Three snaps last week. Yeah, I found that interesting too. Like again, I'm not a big high tower guy. I feel like this is something that's never going to go away. He's an ability to track the ball deep, but um, but you you tout him all last week, telling you, oh, we're going to keep going to him and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and then he gets like three snaps, and that's it at the expense of of Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah. I, I don't get that. Yeah. Um, to get back to to Carson real quickly we're talking about the timing and developing chemistry, the young receivers. And sure. I think that's fair and all, but like, and you saw this in training camp as well. Like Carson has have trouble hitting Zach Ertz on, on throws that they've made a million times. And, and with Goddard at this point, Dallas and Carson should have great chemistry. Um, Yeah. But they don't. Before he, so as, as EJ says, it does go back to Carson. His mechanics are terrible. No one wants to admit it. Um, and I think that's understandably publicly, you don't want to say it. And I know internally they're having discussions about this, that he just, he's just, he, he, he throws so well off platform that he relies on it too often when he doesn't need to. I mean, before, uh, you know, before it's got hurt, I mean, it looked like the two of them had never played before together before. I mean, and, 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 <laughs> yeah. you know, last year and the year before that, these guys were like, I mean, they could have been, you know, had had the same mind. I mean, they 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 were finishing each other's thoughts. So I don't know what's. So I'm going to end on this point since we've we've killed Wentz, and really I think it's <laughs> it's all fair. Uh, would you bench him if he keeps playing like this? I wouldn't. I I would. Go ahead. I feel. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. I just I feel I thought about this a lot. I answered some uh, in a mailbag recently. Um, I feel like. If you're gonna, if you pull that, if you if you make that move, it's it's a it's a commitment to re like restarting a search for a franchise quarterback, and that is like a years long process. That is a difficult one. I mean, you, I mean, Eagles fans have gone through it. 
Um, I feel like if, if there's even a chance that you can recapture, not 2017, that's gone, but Wentz being a competent starting quarterback, you have to try and figure that out while you still can. Cause once you, once you make that move, there's no going back and it's a long, long process. So I still, I would still see if you can get something, just get it to turn around. I know? wouldn't, so, I, I agree with you, EJ. I wouldn't bench him either, but what I would do is, well, A, I wouldn't be as bad at, at deciding when to put Jalen in as they did last week on that second and 10 and stuff. But I would, you know, I mean, Troy Aikman mentioned this a couple of weeks back when they played that Thursday night game against the Giants. And I'm assuming he got it from Peterson that they were going to eventually just hand over a series to, to Hertz. And I think that would be a lot, that would be a better way to use him. And it, then, it, then it, the way they're doing it now, because I think it's right. The way they're doing it now is kind of disrupting Wentz, but but just put them on the sidelines for a series. Uh, turn it over to, you know, play play option football for a, for a, a series and see how that works. But uh, I wouldn't bench him. Yeah, so I agree with Damo too. I mean, I agree with EJ. Obviously, I don't think you do at this point. I think especially with Hertz, if you really like him and you feel like maybe he has an opportunity to be that guy, if Carson does falter, you later is better than earlier. You don't want to force it now, especially when you have all this investment in Carson. So it just, I don't think it makes sense. And more than likely, I think you ride Carson out for the rest of this year, no matter how he's playing, but I do like Damos. And this is why I dug this yesterday. I think part of it is not just giving him a series. It's also like just taking Carson off the field for these plays, Mm -hmm. especially when you're not throwing, you're not throwing enough. You've only thrown Hertz has only thrown twice out of 30 something plays. You're not, you're not giving defenses even any reason to think that he's going to throw, especially when Carson's one less option and he's out there. And I don't know why they're not doing it. Is it is it because you don't want to bruise his ego? And I think maybe that factors into Doug's thinking there. But in giving Hurts a full series and making Carson watch, it's not as drastic as benching, but it's certainly a message, I think. It's, a, it's something that you could say, okay, we're doing this because – and it better work. You know, if you're doing it, yeah. we're doing this to help the team. But, but the subtext is, hey, Carson, get your shit together. And this is what happens. And this may happen for an entire game. If you can't start playing better. And I, I, and this is my story again. Maybe I'm pumping myself up a little bit, but like, they've just been coddling Carson for too long. They gave him way too much too early, just based upon 2017 when he didn't win the Super Bowl, and he's yet to win a playoff game and he's below 500 since that season. You got to earn it in this league. And, you know, guys in that team, that have won the Super Bowl and have been around a long time. The coaches have, have won Super Bowls and been around their time. They understand that as well. And I feel like the, the babying has to stop with Carson. And I think that's one way to dress it. Yeah. All right. Anyway, I'm going off a little bit here. But uh, all right, guys. <laughs> I think we'll end on that note. Uh, Les will join us again on Thursday as we look forward to the Cleveland Browns game. Um, should be a good one. Uh, EJ. Damo, thanks for joining me. Uh, Everyone at home, thanks for joining the Bird's Eye View podcast. Uh, Please read all our stuff on Inquire.com. Tons of great content on the Eagles. I know, obviously, they aren't winning, and now you won't get a chance to see them up close as the the city has banned uh, attendance at at home games. But um, still a lot of interesting stuff going on with the team, and you can read it all at Inquire.com or subscribe to the Early Birds uh, newsletter, which will give you additional content plus links to all of our stories in your morning uh, mailbox, email mailbox. Take care, guys.